It was like he was trying to roil me up and say, actually, you know what, I'll show you. Give me the paper, I'll sign it. No, that's not going to happen. I'm doing what's best for me right now. Whatever you think is best for me, you don't know. I only know what's best for me, and that's the decision I'm sticking with. Hello, and welcome to episode nine of Chapters. Today's episode is part two of my conversation with Mark O'Brien. We continue our discussion regarding Mark's career at Newport County and how the move to Newport galvanised his career and made him love the game again. We also touch on the following themes, the identity of being a footballer, the ruthlessness of the football business, the significance of proper career advice for footballers regarding contracts and their rights, and how Mark found perspective after retiring from football on medical grounds. Thanks again to Mark. You can listen to the first part of my conversation with Mark in episode two of the podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, then you should absolutely take a look at Mark's book, which was released last year. I'll put the link to the book in the description below. So let's get to it. Here's episode nine with Mark O'Brien. I actually just want to talk about Newport County because that was, you know, that's an important place for you. Uh, It's somewhere where you made, I think it's your most appearances as a footballer. Is that correct? Yeah, no, it was, um, I got my career back on track. I got everything back that like I was kind of craving once I left the Arby to try and keep myself going that little bit more. So like Newport has obviously played a significant part in my whole career to where I hold most of my best memories. Mm. And so how did you get to Newport then? So tell me about, because you were at Derby and it seemed like you were kind of moving around a bit. You recovered from this, or you were attempting to fully recover from this heart operation. How did you get to, to Newport? What was the journey to get there? Well, it was once I left Derby, um, I was on loan at Motherwell for a season and I loved every minute of it. As up there, I got to play against the likes of Celtic where as being Irish, you're going to, it's like a dream to go to Celtic Park to watch a game, let alone get to play there. And my first time there was actually playing there. So it was quite surreal. But again, I met some like really, really great people at Motherwell and made some good friends. And then Motherwell didn't really keep me on. A new manager came in and, and had his own ideas. And just that was kind of so bad. That was a force little bit of disappointment I had. But again, I moved on from there and I went to Luton for, well, I signed a two-year deal there. And things were going okay. Like I was in the team, out of the team, made a couple of appearances. Wasn't really like loads to talk about, to be honest. Um, but then the manager changed over there, which Nathan Jones was the manager who came in. And I... Sh- I kind of struggled mentally more than anything at that club because when the new manager came in, I just got disregarded. I just got put to one side. I got training with the under 18s, the under 16s, and again, I was. It was just quite difficult because I'd I'd never been in that position before to to find myself not allowed to train with a with a group of lads that um that was basically my team, and I and I never really understood it and. I obviously took it to heart a lot because I was the only player out of the last manager's regime that never got a single minute under my belt yeah. because of this um because of this uh change over the managers and I just never really What was got the reason it. why you were put down into the uh, playing with the younger kids? Well basically he, he wanted me to leave and wanted me to leave was just trying to make it as uncomfortable as possible for me to leave. So like he, he always said to me, like it's nothing to do with you as a person, it's nothing to do with you as 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 a player, it's just it's this is my squad and this is the squad I want to work with, and you're not part of those plans. And I just never understood like trying to make someone feel that bad that they have to want to get up and leave. And that's the part I really struggled with because I've never been in that position. That position has never kind of came to me, and I thought I'm doing nothing wrong. 
I'm not training wrong. I'm not being a like what you call a bad egg in football. I'm not being any of that. I'm literally Trying just going in. Can, yeah. yeah, and if anything, you have to stay. You try and have to stay more professional because you do have to stay that little bit more fit for that opportunity that may come around. But with this manager, it just wasn't coming around. And um, <clears throat> I done pre-season by myself. Flew away to Tranmere for uh, for like a pre-season for five days. Like that was the most connection I had with a team over all of pre-season. And that was nearly six, seven weeks of just stuff by myself. And that was quite difficult. But I, when I was at Luton, I got a low move out to Southport for a month. And the manager of Southport at the time was Dino Marmaria. And Dino was somebody who... Um, after his time at Southport, uh, became assistant manager at Newport County. So I went to Southport. I'd done really well for Southport. I played seven games in a month. Um, I thought I'd done really well for myself. They were in like a bit of a relegation battle type thing. And at the end... National League at this stage. Yeah, they were in the National League at this stage. So I dropped myself down to the National League because like my whole theory on things even from my own career was always just play as many games as you can just go back to enjoying football whoever wants me to play I'll go and play and you have to kind of swallow your pride a little bit and, and kind of chip away at your own little ego because at the same time I, I was someone who started my career at Derby County I played in the championship everything was was great like what what am I doing in the National League like it's, it's that realisation but it got to a point where you kind of strip it all back and say I moved away from football I'm yeah, I moved away from Ireland to play football. I moved away from Ireland to be a footballer. So if Southport are a team that are willing to let me play football to where I moved away, well, I'm, I'm going to go do it. And I loved every minute of it. It wasn't a team that I looked at and maybe thought, I want to stay there for the rest of my career. But it was somewhere where they were willing to let me play and I was grateful for it. And I was grateful for Dino giving me that opportunity because I wasn't playing games at at Luton I wasn't doing I wasn't training with a force team at Luton so I'd done well in myself and it was kind of a little um, victory for myself that I kept myself going and I kept myself fit to then for that next opportunity that came along I was able to be ready for it and because I'd done so well for Dino Marmaria when it came to the time of, of leaving Luton I text um, I text Dino Marmaria and I asked him, can you get me to, to Newport? Because I said, I'm struggling here. The manager won't play me. I'm living in a hotel. Like, like I just want to play football. And he said, leave it with me. So he got in touch and um, spoke with the manager in Newport. At the time, it was Graham Wesley. And he obviously spoke highly of me. And then at the time of him speaking highly to me, um, Graham Wesley got in touch. And, and the rest was kind of history. I ended up meeting with Graham Graham Wesley in a hotel in London we ended up agreeing that I was going to sign for Newport for six months and in that six months that I signed basically the deal was if they get relegated there's no contract for me and there's no off season pay there's no nothing or if we stay up from relegation I get paid in the off season to what any footballer does and there'll be a deal there for me and he just put his hand out right in front of me and, and said is it a deal because He's the type of manager that wants to see if somebody's hungry for it. If it like an, it's like an incentive. Are you willing to take that risk for your own career to come play for me kind of situation? And I wasn't in, I didn't have a leg to stand on. I just put my hand down and I shook it. And it was kind of a really big thing. But He came across as well in the book though, Graham Wesley, because 
the fact didn't he call Luton as well straight away yeah he called Luton there and then so it, it, it was one of them where you could see he wanted me in the in the building so it, it, yeah and that that feeling alone is something that I only ever felt that at Derby like where you wanted where you needed where you feel as though there's a team that really wants you here and they'll do anything to get you so the fact that he wanted to sort the deal there and then after sitting in a hotel with him it was kind of a good thing but also it was kind of daunting at the same time because I was lacking in so much confidence in myself thinking I've not played for 10-11 months I've not trained at a first team standard for God for like for all those months and it was quite difficult but I looked at it and I thought I have to take the chance I've tried to keep myself as fit as possible I went to the gym I kept myself going and you know what this is the next step to getting me getting me life back together really where it was I need to take the opportunity and I went in in the January and from the January till the end of that season I think I played 22 games and the final day of the season was the the, the last game we played against Notts County at home and we were at 11 points is that game yeah and we were 11 points adrift from March in the relegation zone and we ended up getting it back to being a point ahead on the last day of the season it was like one of those things where it's like it's like a movie it's like a book mm-hmm. like it's like that feel good story that everybody hopes for and thankfully like like in the 89th minute I was able to score a winner for Newport to save them from relegation and that alone for itself was something that you just feel as though that was meant for me like in everything that I went through from the hard stuff to rejections and getting let go and having to keep myself going being put to one side I got me like I I found a way to get myself going again. I found a way to keep myself going, and that moment where if you had asked me seven months previous to that, I would have told you there's no chance you'll catch me playing in League Two. And it was it was quite it, it was it was one of those things that I'll always look back on and be grateful to Newport and Graham Wesley and Dino for giving me that opportunity because I think any other manager, any other coach in that situation probably wouldn't take a chance on a person who hasn't played for 10, 11 months, hasn't played it, hasn't played a game, whereas. They took the chance off what Dino said, and again, it just it just things went from better to better after that. Just going back to Luton, I mean, it was a big difference the way Steve McLaren dealt with you. He seemed like he kind of talked with you a bit more respectfully and said, "This is the reason why um, I'm not using you in my squad compared to the way Luton did." Was Luton the first time you kind of felt, oh, this is this is a bit of a ruthless business? It went away from play, you know, joining Derby at sixteen and just you're basically a kid. Yeah, there, there was so much to it. Like it, it was the first time because obviously in football you do hear it is a ruthless business, and football is a ruthless business. And in 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 my eyes, I never seen the ruthlessness of. It. I've seen, I've seen and heard stories of other teammates and other players, and I've seen it. But you kind of think I'll never be in that position. Like that, that wouldn't happen to me. Like I, I keep myself well. I'm a nice, I'm a, I'm a nice lad around the place. Like that won't happen to me. And when it does happen to you, it's it's something that it you just you, you just can't get your head around it. Like you're you're constantly battling with yourself, wondering what am I doing wrong. You're kind of asking for reassurance off teammates, going, "Am I doing something I shouldn't be doing?" Like your your head is so kind of far away from the game of football, and to think that. Yeah, it's my job, but at the same time, it's my life. Like, and that's somebody who's basically messing around with your life, and the, and the others as well potentially. If it's affecting, you know, if it, let's say you've got a partner, you got kids, and you're kind of being pushed out of the club, and it's gonna 
affect your financial, uh, you know, surroundings, then that must that, that's going to be a difficult situation to be in. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and like you say, that's what I mean. That I got it where I was a, I was a single lad at the time. Um, so like I didn't have much to worry about. All I had to worry about was myself. Which thankfully, I think. I grew up a lot after the open heart surgery at 16 to where I felt as though I was able to handle a lot on my own shoulders. I had like loads of different experiences of of where I had to handle a lot of stuff on my shoulders. So for me to have to deal with it myself, it, it, it felt fitting because I was I felt as though I was able to do it. But at one stage, I felt as though I wasn't handling it. I felt as though it was getting to me because you're going into football and, and you can imagine like you go into football each day and just like anybody can go into work each day and you are just isolated you're just sitting by yourself you're sitting in a change room and everybody is talking about the game they won on Saturday and how everything was amazing and how everything was great and the pass he made and the goal he scored but you're just sitting there just thinking right I'm just I'm just a spare part and then you go out to try and force yeah and the force team go one way I'm going the other way and I'm training with 18 year olds and 16 year olds and the drive just slowly comes away and as you get chipped away at, there's only so much you can take. And I'm not going to let somebody down for help me. I'm actually, you know what? I'm going to fight back from this. I'm going to keep myself as right as I can. Anywhere that I get a chance of playing, I'm going to go play and I'm going to just give it me all. And it just kept giving me that little bit of fire. So like everything that was being chipped away at confidence was how the manager dealt with it to how it was dealt with at Derby. Two complete different situations. Like I had a manager at Derby that was like, look, we'll help you get elsewhere. We'll help you do this. And, we don't want you in the building because we're going in one direction and maybe I do believe that your time at Derby has come to a bit of a standstill because of the injuries you've had and just sat and explained everything to me. Yes, I wasn't happy, but I couldn't really grumble because I got a full explanation. Whereas at Luton, I just got told it's business. It's business. We don't want you in the club and you have to deal with it. So even at the point of that, even though Steve McLaren did say them things to me, I never got isolated away from the squad. I never got told you're not allowed training with us. I never got told anything. If anything, they were allowing me to still train and do what I needed to do until I left. So it was it, it was kind of like just two different scenarios, but it did it did like show me a lot of football is very ruthless, and if somebody doesn't want it, they will go about it whatever way they can just to get you out of the building. How important is it for you to have? To, to be given the proper advice because I remember in the book you called your friend and you said I'm not sure about this uh, Luton manager is saying we can offer you this much to cancel the contract now and you're he was a footballer right? Yeah it was me it was my cousin yeah oh, that was your cousin and he said um, do not do not sign the contract to, to finish that contract because once you once you sign that they have no legal kind of right to look after you anymore you're not part of that club anymore but if you stay there under that contract you have help with um any insurances and stuff like that how important is it for kind of young lads and girls these days to have that uh proper advice yeah i, I think i think it's pivotal because i always remember at the time where i was going through all that like i was making all those phone calls to my cousin and he was somebody that was just giving me the like just saying the right things at the right time just and I think it I think it came down to where I was in such a position I had to listen because you get some young footballers and you get um some people nowadays that will 
go in one ear out the other and they just think now well, if I sign it I'm, I'm fed up I'm fed up I want to leave and you can understand the frustration like I, I was at that level where I was thinking the manager the manager's telling me these things why would he lie to me like I was I was a bit naive thinking when they told me that we've got a solicitor here till five o'clock and then he has to leave so we need to know your decision by five I was thinking oh god I only have two hours to answer this I have I have to do a lot of thinking maybe I'll just sign it because I don't want to keep them waiting whereas having that one bit of advice from me from my cousin to tell me well look it doesn't matter whether it's till five o'clock the, the window doesn't shut till half and eleven o'clock at night so he's literally just trying to pressure you into a situation potentially because he's got another deal wanting to come in the door and they need to free up your wages to get that in and I never thought of anything like that because I'm thinking well, why, why would the manager lie about that because like in your head you're just being naive because I've never been in that situation but I think the advice is, is like is is next to none because there are managers out there and there are clubs out there that are only in it for themselves and they are willing to just turn around and tell you what you need to hear to try and get what they want out of it rather than actually thinking of the player and the person and not trying to rush somebody because to me it was a massive decision if I sign that contract as you said I don't get looked after anymore I have to pay for an apartment by myself I haven't got any other club to walk away to I like there, there was nothing in it for me other than I'm signing the paper for the sake of this manager because I only have two hours to answer it whereas on the flip side of it that small bit of advice made me kind of sit there and, and be in control of the situation made me yeah, it made, it made me feel like I was in control of the situation to say, hang on, this is a big decision in my life. This could be this could be the decision that either sends me back to Ireland because I've got nothing or I'll stay at Luton and keep on chipping away at something else around the corner and then, then I'll be able to go from there. But until then, I don't have to sign anything. And it wasn't out of, it wasn't out of arrogance, it wasn't out of anything. It was out of security of, this is my life. It wasn't that just, this is my job and I'll move on. There was nowhere to move on to. And... When I was explaining that to the manager, and that's why I always think football was was so is so ruthless because I explained all this to that manager, and the manager turned around and was saying, "Well, look, do you not back yourself going somewhere and try to play that kind of card of saying it was on me? I don't back myself, and I'm the one that's insecure about leaving." That I was like, it was like I was, it was it was like it was a he was trying to roil me up to say, "Actually, you know what? I'll show you. Give me the paper. I'll sign it." Whereas I was like, no, that's not going to happen. Like, I'm literally doing what's best for me right now. Whatever you think is best for me, you don't know. I only know what's best for me, and that's the decision I'm sticking with. Whether he likes it or whether he doesn't, I just always looked at it and said, well, I hope you respect it. And that's something that you have to you have to kind of do. And, and they, are, they are awkward. They are horrible situations to be put in for a 24, 25-year-old to be put in to sit there and go, you're making a decision for your livelihood here. Whereas a manager's trying to do it for the sake of a, a quick boy that might be an hour away that he's waiting my way just to get freed up. So, like you say, the the human aspect sometimes in football gets totally eradicated and you're just seen as another as another body. You're seen as a you're seen as another number. And that's something that with all the experiences I've had through football, like that's one that I look back on and say it, it taught me a lot. But that's one I look back on and, and it really opens your eyes to, to see what football is actually all about sometimes. Yeah. How do you think that, do you think that made you tougher kind of mentally after that, you know, with having to deal with this new uh, element of being a footballer of suddenly, oh, actually this is kind of cutthroat. I'm dealing with uh, business people here as well as, you know, a football manager. Yeah, it, it did make me tougher. 
Um, I think all the other experiences that I had through my career leading up to that, I was I was tough already. But what it what it did make me do, it made me appreciate football a lot more. It made me love football a lot more. That where it made me realise that I want to play. I don't want to sit around and be in these awkward situations. I want to go and play. I want to be able to show what I can do on a pitch. I don't want to have to sit and talk with a manager and talk with a club and talk with things about leaving and getting left out. Look, it, it just made me, it made my perspective change of saying, whoever wants to give me an opportunity to play, I'm going to go do it because that's what I'm here for. I'm not here for these kind of means. I'm not here for these kind of um, situations. I'm here just to play my football and I'm here to be happy. And that's why when I got given the opportunity at Southport, yeah, it's not ideal, but I went for it because I got to play. When I was going to Newport, it was another situation where they're in the they're, they're in the relegation relegation zone. They're eleven points adrift, and but they wanted me to play, yeah. and that's all that I kept coming back to. Yeah. So like whatever situation. So even though at the time I was lacking confidence, the perspectives and the love for football and everything just grew because I thought, well, do you know what? If this manager isn't willing to let me play, and this manager doesn't want me to play. I'm gonna find somewhere that will let me play, but it gave me that again that little bit more mental toughness to say, but it's on my terms when I want to play. It's on my terms when I'm going to do it. I'm not just going to do it just to please you. I'm not going to be a people pleaser. I'm going to be just the honest, the honest person that I am, and just say, do you know what? I'm going to do it when I feel it's right, and that's what I went and done, and it stood to me as so much better. And again, I think with with different situations like that. A lot of young footballers or a lot of footballers or they get to a stage of where they're really angry and they're really frustrated and they're really fed up. So they'll sign any paper just to get going without thinking about it. So sometimes it is always better to just take that step back and have a little think. Because my cousin just hit me with one question at the end of a call and he said to me, he goes, Mark, he said, look at it this way. He said, you sign that piece of paper. You wake up tomorrow morning, you don't have a club. You have all that. You have the money that will pay, but you don't have a club no security no nothing how do you feel and I said I wouldn't like that and he goes right you don't sign that deal you wake up to you wake up tomorrow you're still a Luton player you're still in the same situation but you're still a player you still get your wages and you still get looked after mm. would you be happier he goes yeah and he goes well there's your answer he said you don't need any more conversation you don't need anything he said your mind made up there's your answer and that's when I turned around and I thought it's as simple as that so all the other background noise of a manager saying this and somebody saying that it all came down to me in the end where it was what makes me happier. Now, don't get me wrong. I've been around some footballers where the best thing for them is to leave because they're probably getting treated worse than what I got treated. So sometimes the best thing for them and for their own mental state is to leave. But at the same time, I, I, I knew I was close to that. I was close to that decision because my mental state around the building, my mental state away from the building... I, I, I was just finding myself I was finding myself so so low mm. I was finding myself not wanting to do anything not wanting to interact with people just want to go to football come home sleep all day go to football come. and I was living in a hotel paying for it myself so I was close to that situation so I think taking on that advice from somebody or seeking that advice from somebody that you feel as though you can trust goes such a long way mm. You took that opportunity to go to Southport and you almost created your opportunity, didn't you? You created, um, you opened doors because, you know, it was considered to be dropping down a level 
but the fact that the current manager then turned out to be the assistant manager is kind of a good example uh, assistant manager at Newport is a good example of just keeping your options open isn't it and just sometimes taking uh taking a risk you just never know what's going to happen and you ended up at Newport and then you became you know a, a, an important part of that team yeah and 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 that's again it was more lessons to be learned there was take the risk take the chance and go out and play because again I didn't know what going to Southport was going to do for me I just knew going to Southport and proving that I can play and proving to myself and proving to other people that I've not, I'm not past I actually am a, an okay player I actually am a good player like so sometimes you can do all the talking you want in football and but sometimes the best remedy to, to get your point across is go out and play and show everybody go out and play and prove to people that you can do it because you can, you can sit there and I can argue with the manager and I can argue with Luton saying I am a good player let me play I am a good player let me go do this and you can talk about it and talk about it but talking gets you nowhere sometimes in football nowadays sometimes it's about go out there and let your football do the talking and then see what they think then see where it takes it because if you are a good player like you say you are or you like you feel you are and you feel as though you're being hard done boy well here's your opportunity Southport was my opportunity to say go out and show me then and I went out and done that and thankfully Dino Marmaria took a liking to me and enjoyed how I played and enjoyed the person that I was and like liked the style of play and liked the defender that I was that I got given that opportunity to go to, to Newport and it seems like as you say it went from one thing to the next but it happened just because I played seven games at Southport I, I didn't have to go for the full season and drop out for a whole year and do all that it was literally one month of seven games and that in that one month I created that small window of opportunity for someone to like me to then all of a sudden put a good reference forward for me to then go to Newport and then kind of start all over again to to then there's me door there's me opportunity walk through it and then take it with both hands and at Newport there's something that that's what I felt as though I'd done like I went there and I knew I had a point to prove I went there and knew that what the manager wanted from me and I went there and just gave it me all and sometimes if you come up short well do you know what Whatever I whatever I done at Newport in that six months, it might have caught somebody else's eye, and everything like that in football is just one thing after the next. You just never know who's watching or, or who's taking notes or who's taking interest. But you always know that once you're out there playing, regardless of where it is, there's always going to be someone that is going to be there to watch. Yeah, I mean, you must have enjoyed your time at Newport. You were there for a good amount of years, but and also we kind of forget that you'd still have this heart condition, and the fact that you played that much. It, I mean that's a that's a massive achievement just to be back on the pitch when the doctors years before that said I mean, you'll, be, you'll be lucky to be playing with your kids in the future. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and as I said, like from from when I had this, the operation at sixteen, like to to play twenty odd games in the SPL, to play a couple of games at Luton, but then to go to Newport and and play over a hundred games and and to get the captain Newport, like it, it every everything was an achievement to me. Everything was a moment where I was able to look at and go, do you know what? I can look back and be proud. Mm. And once I was at Newport and to play the games that I did, to be involved in some massive, massive games at the club, to be part of something where there was a rebuild of a club, it was a re- it was like a rebuild of what Newport is and what Newport stands for. And to be kind of at the start of that, from the relegation battle to then kind of the next season kick on and we were mid-table, mm. but we got to a fourth round of an FA Cup. 
then the next season after that was to you know what we might finish in the playoffs and then all of a sudden we get to the fifth round of the FA Cup then all of a sudden you get the captain all the way to the playoffs and then you get to go on and it was like just year after year was just that steady build Remember. steady build but yeah and it was and it was enjoyable like I, it was actually like the first time and I, I've always said it, it's it was actually the first time since Derby that I felt as though it's home from home I love the way Newport is as a club I love the way the fan base are as a club and I also just enjoy being here and playing football and that is all that I cared about and I didn't have to look for that next big contract I didn't have to care or worry about that next big deal and that next money mills I didn't use Newport as a stepping stone as what some people do I just came and pl- I just came and played football and whatever came from that amazing if, if bigger deals came from that great but if they didn't I was playing football and that's what the harsh moments at Luton gave me it gave me that bit of realisation of going do you know what sometimes it's not about the big money moves it's not about the Instagram followers it's not about having the um, entourage around you it's not about anything it's literally about I want to play football I moved away from Ireland at 15 years old to play football now I'm happy now I'm in a place I'm comfortable and being in a place being comfortable and happy allowed me to play my best football allowed me to play some of the best football I've ever played allowed me to be part and make memories of some of the biggest things I've ever done mm. and that is something that all came down to just being happy just enjoying playing football mm. and if you had like I say if when I was at Luton or even at Motherwell and you had asked me would I ever play at Wembley or would I ever get the captain of the team would I ever get to play against Premier League teams I would have told you no I would have said there's no chance of this happening it's always would have been a dream and one of those going oh maybe one day but I would have just straight up said probably not. Whereas just the the whole fact of just not giving up, just keep ticking along year after year, just learn your little lessons as you go along and just keep learning from them, learning from them, learning from them. So when it all comes together, which I believe at Newport it did all come together. Now I had some tough times at Newport off the field, but when it all come together, I was in the best place, the happiest place, a more understanding place and I just loved like I was loving life like yeah. that's that, that was the that was, that, that was where it was at like I was just enjoying my life I was enjoying I was enjoying everything about it like this was the this was a time where I was like this is why I moved away I go out every week and I'm happy we win a game we lose a game but you know what I'm with a group of lads that are like brothers and friends for life like everything was just yeah this this is something I'm I'm just loving it When you had to make the decision to stop playing because of the the second operation had to be taken, yeah? Yeah. Did you understand how tough that was going to be, having to leave football? Do you know what? I always thought that I knew how difficult it I always thought I knew how bad it would be. I like Because at 16, I knew my career was going to come to an end and it was going to be inevitable. It was going to come to an end sooner than I thought or than I wanted. But because I went through so many years of a doctor just saying Mark you're okay you can play next year Mark you're okay you can play the year after it was something that I just it it just kind of got swept under the carpet and I was in that kind of mode of just thinking everything's okay like my heart's fine and everything is fine but I think I underestimated how hard leaving football would be how hard not playing football would be I didn't I knew football was my life 
and I knew I loved every minute of it, but I didn't think it was meaning that much to me. I didn't really, like, it was like the end of an era. It was like part of me was just dead. Like, it, I, I just couldn't get my head around because I, I had to sit and I had to do a lot of counselling about it. I had to sit with other people. There was, um, there was um, Dean Hammond and Lewis Harrington. These were two lads that I spoke to before. And they reached out and they wanted to help me. And I look at it and if it wasn't for them two that were trying to like talk me through retirements and talk me through the feelings I was going to feel and the, and the different ways I was going to be. Once I come away from them, they just opened my eyes to so many things. And without that kind of help, I think I would have struggled even so much more because I was already struggling so bad as it was. Like, I just never thought that person at 16 that got told his, his career was going to come to an end sooner than he would have liked I didn't think I would have just took it as bad as I did I thought I was already pretty equipped for it with everything that I went through but this was feeling like part of me has just died mm. like the, the kid the kid in me that always kept the little spark alive for playing football just went like I didn't know what I was going to do with myself I didn't know where I was going to go I didn't know should I go back to Ireland now because there's nothing left for me over here there's no life after football like am I just gonna just that's me now done and I just I just struggled with the with the with the routine the structure of things not knowing not knowing when to wake up at, at a proper time not knowing when you go into training like not to exercise not to do this not to do that not to get ready and, and match prep for a game on a Saturday not to join in on training, not to be in a match day squad, not to walk out into a stadium full of people. Like there's just there's so many things. You got your mates as well, you know. Yeah. And and again, again, like you say, yeah, it's it's the change room. It's it's the lads that are around you every single day. And you you feel as though all that's gone. Now what do I do? Like it's literally just like one day you have it, next day you don't. And I just didn't know how how to deal with it. But those two lads that I mentioned were unbelievable with me. Like they would sit and they'd talk with me. They set up a group chat that they were helping me out with a lot of things. Um, about just putting me back into that kind of team mentality of going, well, we're getting up at this time. We expect you up at this time. We're going to read one page of a book a day. We're going to do that. I'm going to take 10,000 steps a day. We want you to do that. So you feel accountable again. You feel as though now I'm accountable for somebody and a team and I don't want to let the lads down. So it just kind of distracted you a little bit, which then the more you do it, the more it turned into a habit. And the more it turned into a habit, the more it just became like normal life. And then you just slowly start pulling yourself out. But the one thing that they did do was hit me with realism and just say, Mark, this isn't a feeling that's going to go away within a week. This isn't going to go away within a year. This isn't going to, like, this isn't something that's a quick fix. And I probably appreciate it again that more than somebody saying, look at, if you do a bit of counselling, you're going to be fine. Like, they gave me the, the the realism of going, look, you're probably going to miss football for the rest of your life. Which, to me, <laughs> I can understand so much more now. Because, again, it, it's something that all it, it was all I ever wanted. So I am going to miss it for the rest of my life. But if I had a retired at the age of 40, I still would have missed it by the time I was 50. So, like, there was never going to be a time I'm not going to miss football. But it was understanding that. I think why it probably affected me more because it happened to me when I was 27. So when it happened at 27, I felt as though 
I'm hard done by here, even though I knew it was going to happen. I felt, well, I still have teammates that are still playing. I played with him last year, and they're still playing in their careers till this day. But they just told me, well, Mark, look, it's about the acceptance. It's about accepting that, accepting these things. It's about sitting there and saying, I'm not going to play again. I'm not going to kick another ball again. But you know what? I can still be involved. I can still go and watch football. I can still go and do these things. So it wasn't about what I can't do. It was about look at what you can. And the more I start focusing on the things that I can do, yeah, and it, it's it's literally focusing on the facts of, well, what can I control in my situation now? Because they sat with me and they said, well, how did football make you feel? And I said, well, I felt like a leader. I was strong. I was fit. I was well. I was healthy. I helped people. Like I just felt as though I was like untouchable because I, I just felt as though like this is my life. And they said, okay. But they said, right, so football gave you that. And I said, I think so. And they were like, no. They said, football doesn't give you something. They said, you make your job successful. So those characteristics, they said, for what you don't see now, you actually have all that. So now you can start applying that to your day-to-day life and you start bringing that person back out again. You start bringing that Mark O'Brien out that you thought has gone just because football has gone. Mm. So then... Each time like I'd go and do things, I was just chipping away, whether that was going into the training ground each day. So then some days I'd get frustrated. Some days I'd have panic attacks. Some days I'd feel really low because I was like, I'm in training today, but I can't kick a ball. I'm not even I'm not even exercising. What am I doing here? Whereas they told me, whereas I stripped it all back and I looked at it and then I thought, well, I got up. I woke up, which the doctor told me I was lucky to do. I had breakfast. I went into the training ground and I watched football. Now, there are four great things I've done, but I focused on the one bad thing I didn't do, which was I didn't train. So it was literally trying to, like, to an extent, reprogram myself of instead of looking at the negatives and everything, like, focus on the positives because it's a choice you have. Like, that choice you've got is to focus on the positive. So, like, that's why on my day-to-day life, even till this day, I love to try and focus on positives. I love to try and look at the positives in any situation because... It is a choice, even your worst case scenario that may be happening to you. There's always something you can look at in a positive way that'll just make you go, well, do you know what? It could be worse. Or do you know what? I can do this instead. And it's just that little mind shift and that different perspective. And I think the open heart surgery gave me that because all the negative, all the negatives that I wanted to focus on was why did I have to resort? I can't play anymore. I can't do this and I can't do that. Rather than, well, do you know what? Nowadays, to be positive, I can look around and go, I can still help people. Mm-hmm. I can still put myself out there. I can still go and watch football. I can still be part of a changing room. I can still go in each day and still smile and laugh. I can still wake up each morning. I can still have me own. Like, all those little smaller things have made such a massive impact to me. And it's the small things that I used to just kind of you'd say disregard because you don't pay attention to them. You just think, well, that's just normal. Like, I did wake up, that's just normal. I did just go into trying, that's normal. Whereas, when you appreciate the normal, then all the other bigger situations that you think are big, boy, I can't play and I can't that, you kind of just forget about because you're not focusing on it. You're choosing to be positive. You're choosing to see all the good things that you are doing. And I, that's why, like, even on my day, now and and what I do going forward is I try and just 
bring that little small bit of positivity or just that little bit of perspective change to people to go being positive is a choice so if you if if we all have that choice and everybody does have that choice to be positive then why should we choose to be negative now don't get me wrong there's times where negativity will find you and it will hit you and it'll smack you hard in the face and i've had that myself but then sometimes it's right the positive thing about that is i'm gonna ask someone for help i'm gonna ask somebody for that listening ear or that bit of advice so in a way of all the negativity that you're seeing the positive thing you're doing is i'm actually asking for help to then see that positivity even though it doesn't it seems as though and i've always looked at it even for myself is that you felt as though you were giving in if you're asking for help you feel as though you're weak for giving in you feel as though oh well if i ask for help people are going to look down on me i'm going to be a burden on people whereas in hindsight that's the small bit of positivity to take away from your downtime is to go i'm opening up i'm going to say this and now that i say this i'm going to listen to that person's advice and then when i listen to that person's advice then all of a sudden your mind starts going back to that positive way again so even in your most negative times there's still that positivity there because you're still not willing to give up and that whole mentality is just something that again since i was 16 but since and then through my career but even more so now is that i understand that it's not always positivity it's not always amazing times it's not always everything has to be positive but even in your darkest times the positivity that comes from it is well that's going to unlock me to maybe speak up that little bit more and then that's a positive step rather than sitting in it and just going well i'm just going to stay like this until it feels better Mm -hmm. where sometimes things don't get better until you have that one conversation or that one little bit of something or that's something that you might hear from somebody speaking and and hearing that from somebody else might just go actually yeah do you know what things are going to be okay and that's sometimes all that it takes mm. um tom lock here might be going through something similar <clears throat> of that you know having these difficult conversations and looking for help you know as we're recording this he just unfortunately um collapsed mid mid game at the weekend or last weekend i think it was um when you see something like that what are your i mean obviously it's shocking to see and we're hoping he gets you know he he recovers fully but when you see something like that do you kind of just want him to look on the look in the big picture and just you know i i personally i saw it and it's happened twice now to him i want him to go uh think about your health first and maybe it's time to um yeah call it a day yeah and look it's something where i remember when the news came in and it's one of those where when i heard that news i get like a small little spot in my mind that goes and it's like panic because i think that could have been me that can be me that could have happened to me and my mind goes to that straight away but then all of a sudden because like of all the stuff that I've done for myself to to come away from that, I looked at it and I thought, well, look, he's in a situation that I totally understand. Like, your first thought is always going to be, look, you might have to try and call it a day here because it's twice now in six months. But at the same time, I still look at it and go, you're trying to talk to a person that all he's ever known is football. Football has, provo- has provided for his family provided for his life has given him the best memories he's got teammates and friends for life in the game and that is all he'll focus on 
And that is, that's a difficult mm-hmm. thing because that's all I ever thought. So sometimes I think what made it slightly easier for me to make that decision at the time was I had medical reason and I had a doctor tell me you can't play anymore. And I think he will have to hear that from somebody else than come to that realisation himself because there'll always be that little bit of fight in him to think, well, the doctor said I'm fine, so maybe. Well, if he said I'm fine, then yeah. But I do believe that it's going to be a difficult time for him and it is going to be something that is quite difficult to try and come to that realisation. But at the same time, I'm sure he has the right support of family, friends, Luton as a club, doctors. He has all of that. But at the same time, unless you come to that realisation for yourself, it might always be that little bit of regret that hangs over you to go, maybe if I gave it one last go. But at the same time, I think I think he, he seems like a, a a bright enough person that will will look at things and go, well, do you know what? Maybe it is just going to knock it on the head. And there's no airs or graces about it. There's no badness for him to think like that because I think anybody in that situation... And I think there's... I think anybody in that situation, if it happens once, you wouldn't go back to the same job. So he showed to what football means to him. It showed that, do you know what, I'm willing to give it another go. And maybe it could have been something in the background where he was willing to give it one more go and then whatever happens after that, so be it. So maybe that was his one go that he gave it. It's not quite worked out. He might hold his hands up and say, right, that that's me. But again, he's the only person who can come to that kind of realisation. But, he is someone that, like, I reached out to him on Instagram and I got a message back off him saying that, look, he's he's going through four tests and examinations and different things. So, again, it is something that, um, yeah, like, if if push came to shove and stuff like that happened, like, I'd, I'd be there. To, like, like I had people for myself to be there and, and try and ease as much and, and show him that there is a life after football and show him that there is like better things that can happen after football that's not just because football's finished now your life is finished mm. you yourself you're still involved in football you're you're at Newport County can you tell me what is your what role do you play at Newport County at the moment yeah so look I'm still in Newport now and I I am kind of a player care officer I'm a person that is there for if a lone player comes in if if one of our own players if an academy player comes up to the force team that the kind of person that can integrate people, make them feel relaxed. If they struggle with things, be the listening ear. If they want to understand things, come ask me. If they don't want to have those awkward conversations with the manager about why am I not playing and what am I doing wrong, then I can kind of be the person that's in between that and and potentially just kind of ease the blow on them if things aren't going quite right. Give them advice and just be there. Like and, And again, sometimes just to make someone feel settled and feel as at home as they possibly can when they move to a different club or when they move somewhere to make them just feel that little bit more relaxed about where they're at and what they're doing because not everyone's career is going to go the same way and not everybody is going to enjoy it in the same aspect so you just try and make someone feel as comfortable as possible along their journey and try and get the best out of them that you can and if not you try and keep them in the best headspace for that next move that they might get so there's a bigger thing to it but Again, it goes back to that's the helping aspect in me. That's the person that I always was. I always enjoyed helping someone when I was a player. So now it's just coming out now as as something away from football. Yeah, that role seems to be coming more um, important within clubs, doesn't it? This player care role might not have existed. And no, 
15 years ago. It seems to be more integrated within the squad to help to support the the players kind of in the middle between the the manager and the and the staff. Yeah, 100% and again it helps the manager as well. It gives the manager a little bit of an insight into what his players might be feeling and his players might be thinking because again when a manager has to sit there and go through a squad of 25 people he's not going to constantly monitor 25 people and individually know everybody and how you are perfectly every time so if a person like myself and maybe other people are dotted about and you might chat to someone and something flags up to where something might be happening at home for that player he hasn't quite played well at the weekend the manager might want to just go in hard on him and say you shouldn't have done this and you shouldn't have done that whereas I could sit and go look I think I know the reason why things didn't go quite well this has happened that's happened where the manager has a different approach now and the manager doesn't come across as somebody that seems like the bad person he, he actually can be understanding so it's just trying to be that person where you just try and you show that level of care that I know what worked for me and I know what helped me it's not going to help everybody but if somebody feels wanted and they just keep going and you just keep like you keep it's like a little reminder of just saying don't give up on yourself just keep going because when you don't have somebody tell you that it's easy just to give up but you might have somebody that'll just perk you up a little bit to say okay I get where you're at now it's terrible it's not great just don't stop just keep going out every day and you know what prove the manager wrong prove the club wrong that that they're wrong for not doing what they're doing and then you sit there and you kind of see them go yeah do you know what you're right and then if they go on and do amazing things in the career, brilliant. That you feel as though I've done my job. If they go on and play for Newport and do amazing things, great, I've done my job. But I'm the type of person that it's not just, obviously at the time you want them to do amazing for Newport, but I want them just to do amazing for themselves. Because I know what I know the feeling of the bad side of football and I know the feeling of when you do go and have those memories in football, they live with you forever. Thank you.